podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hey guys, welcome back to the Euro Incision podcast. You will find me this week in a much better mood. Um, the Reds beating Ajax 2-1, looking like their old selves. Um, I'll take that all day long. And um, yeah, um, uh, on this podcast, you'll hear myself and my co-host. You are my co-host on this podcast. It's a new voice for now. It is Guy Drinkle. Guy? Welcome. A new voice, yeah. If that was only true for the poor listeners who've been it listening is, to me. It is, it is a new voice because you and I have not done Euro Incision. I think it's been a while since you and I have actually podcasted. So for me, it's new. You know, the the, the producers are getting some airtime. Can we just take a moment to appreciate? But Guy, um, uh, thank you so much for joining us. No, any time, any time. I knew, uh, I know Femis has been busy schedule and stuff like that, so I'm happy to help out. And sorry, listeners, it's me again, but I'm happy now. I'm allowed to enjoy football again, so it's not me just being sad for a, a couple hours of <laughs> your listening delay. I know, I know. Tell me about it. And you know what? I actually listened to your scouted. So uh, the first thing I'm going to ask you is, obviously, um, we all knew Ajax were going to be a big threat. You know, like in in a week they scored nine goals, conceded zero. And when you look at Liverpool's, um, you know, um, a form going into this, we were absolutely nervous. Um, I want to get your thoughts in terms of from review, um, from previewing to reviewing. So two one Reds. Give me your thoughts. Well, Carl clearly built them up too much. <laughs> I blame him because he thought we were going to get tonked. Um, um, I thought they looked quite... Almost not ordinary is too harsh a word. I just don't think... Maybe the gap was just too big. Maybe that is what the realist gap is, that the Eredivisie just isn't anywhere close. Even if we <clears throat> aren't playing at our best... Obviously, we improved massively from the Napoli result because it was impossible to play worse. But it just doesn't really matter how well an Eredivisie team is playing because if we're playing anywhere, say we were 70% at our best in that game, which probably we were, it's still too big a, a leap. And I think that's probably what the case is. I think they had some good players, which we'll get into as we go along. But mm-hmm. Just as having Thiago back and then people having an uptick, even if it is 10-odd percent, as I say, um, it, it was just too too much. Obviously, they almost snuck a draw, but regardless, I think the performance, we, we were clearly the better team. I have to agree with you. And I think, uh, you know, I think we were all hanging on to Jurgen Klopp's words, weren't we, after the Napoli game, like, it's time to reinvent ourselves. So this was, like, for me, like, the acid test of what's going to happen. And for me, it wasn't really a reinvention, Guy. For me, it felt like I was familiar with watching my Liverpool team eight games into a season. 
like things made sense. Like I saw Mosala in the box in the first minute. Mm-hmm. You know, things that I'm naturally used to, you know, seeing. And you know, we we will talk about obviously um uh, the, their players, but I want to get your thoughts on the starting lineup. I think you know a lot of people had a lot of dread. What is he going to do? I mean, what did you make of the starting lineup? We knew we knew we knew Thingy was injured, uh, Robbo, so we knew Jimmy Casper was going to come in. Um, uh, happy with the lineup? Um, I was happy with it. I wasn't really expecting it to be fair. I I, I thought Jota. <laughs> If everyone's fit and firing, I think Jota's probably the way to go. But he just kind of he just didn't look ready in in the previous appearances. So I just thought maybe he'd roll with probably Bobby. Um, but I I would have wanted Darwin because I think we do have to start when you spend that much money. You do have to kind of play him uh, and justify it a bit. But if everyone's fit and firing, I think it is Jota for me because that's probably the best partnership we've seen with more in real life in in real life in uh, recent years. Um, because Bobby has taken a, a fall off in the last few years, we know this. Whereas Jota and him combined so well at the first half of last season, so yeah, I, I'm happy with that. I would have maybe taken Elliot out of the out of the firing line. Weird because he's been he's been one of our better players, but yeah. I think people are kind of realizing it is a winger played in midfield, so it kind of doesn't yeah. work. Mm. But then you, they have two world class midfielders with him, so it does work. Um. But yeah, no, I was I was really happy with it. I think even if Robbo wasn't injured, I, I I would have played Simicast. I was asking for Trent to be dropped, and maybe it was lucky the uh, Wolves game got postponed. He did he improve, but we'll get onto that as well. But yeah, I, I would have probably had Gomez at right back, but we do need Trent to find form for the rest of the season, don't we? So fair enough on that one, I think. Yeah, um, uh, I I have to agree with you on that one. I was really really intrigued to see what he was going to do in midfield as well. I thought if he like I I just thought he would not pick Milner. And, you know, but, um, we were we were proven correct. And uh, yeah, it was great to see Thiago back. Fab, you know, incredible to have him. So let's kind of talk about some of these performances because. I think, you know, it started off really well. I'll start off with the things that kind of impressed, you know, the kind of players that I was, like, really and particularly impressed with. And, you know, I'm going to give some names and I'd like you to kind of, like, you know, um, share your insight and thoughts as well. Like, I thought it was, first of all, let's just go from um, Salah. Um, I thought he started looking more involved less mm. isolated um you know he was offering some creative output he looked aggressive i thought he was giving blind a bit of a torrid time um you know um he was actually cutting in he was running in he it looked like the shackles were off on him and it was almost like he got that hunger back you know like wanting to get into the box wanting to commit himself wanting to get involved in in the at- attacking um sense and I think that was probably largely down to what you kind of highlighted there with having a player like Jota in there as well but you know again I thought that front three the blend was really good um and of course all three were involved with the first goal as well and you know Ali with um you know his um his long range passing but you know um I thought for me I thought Salah was incredible um what what did you make of the front three yeah, I think collectively they worked really well. Um, mm. I think Diaz, it was weird. I think Diaz had like really effective moments like that. I think there was yes. that one where he skinned someone out on the byline, but he was probably the most quiet of the three. Um, Jota was just quietly efficient, I think. He never really, I can't remember him looking like scoring, but he just kind of knitted stuff 
well together. I think Klopp worded it best in in his post match. He's kind of like in between what Bobby and, and Nunes is, and I think that's kind of what we needed. Yeah, um, we needed the fear factor, but also the link play. Um, but more, I think, yeah, he's he's the one to focus on in the front three because we we know the levels and and the lack of form, and that's where the levels come into it. Because when he plays badly, it's like you were the best player in the world like a year ago, mate. Mm. <laughs> Um, whereas, yeah, I think everything you've said there, I, I agree with. He's just playing. It's not about playing narrower, narrower. I can't speak. Um, it's just where where he moves into the ball because he always plays wide. But this season so far, he's basically been holding hands with the assistant yes. referee. Yeah, and, he's not been cut staying there. Anything, he's yeah. not making the runs in. He's just been just staying there and not really being effective. I get that. Mm. It's just staying out there. It doesn't really do anything, especially the way our front three operates, um, with him being the main goal threat. Whereas in this one, you're absolutely right. He destroyed um, uh, Blind. Him and Bassi had a bit of a war, seen as I think he picked physically picked up Salah about four times in that game. Um, but yeah, it was just really good to see him back, and that's what we like from Salah. Obviously. We don't want to see him having a war with a centre-back every time. But at least it's a centre-back. It's not getting pocketed by... Oh, God, I don't even know what the Napoli left-back's called, but struggling with, like, Tariq Mitchell at Palace. Uh, mm. Mal- Malassia pocketed him for United. We didn't even hear of, hear about him till last year, or the, uh, till the summer, I could say. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just nice that he's picking up them areas and you're actually noticing him. And I think that is the big change, as, as you said. He literally was anonymous in most of the other games where he wasn't playing too well. Obviously, he picked up the odd goal playing against Bournemouth. I know he didn't score, but he missed a few open goals. Um, but this is probably the best game of the season where you literally noticed him every time we went forward. Um, so, yeah, that that's the best thing from it. And hopefully we keep, keep him in them areas because it clearly wasn't working what we were doing in the other games. Absolutely, and it was great to see him score. But you know what? Um, as cliche as it sounds, guy, games are won and lost in midfield. Yes, I went there. And can we just take a moment to appreciate what was going down in our midfield um, uh, against Ajax? Because um, it was a Thiago Alcantara masterclass. It really was. Um, he pretty much controlled the tempo of that game, and um, he pretty much dictated the middle of the park. And in him doing so. I felt like that really gave um, Fabinho the, you know, the the license to do what he does best. It was just so good seeing mm-hmm. Fab, Fab come into his own because he had somebody really, really competent in Thiago. But Thiago was just absolutely magnificent. Um, uh, he was just. I I did the media matters with um, Jonathan Northcroft, and uh, it'll be out tomorrow. It'll be after this podcast. So I'll give you a little snippet into that guy and listeners. Um, and we were kind of talking about just that moment in the first half where I think Elliot plays him a bit of a dodgy pass and he, he takes it on and that like, he's got two players really close by him and the way he kind of controls it and navigates himself out of trouble and then plays this small little pass back to Elliot. You know, it's those kind of things that you, you really appreciate, you take for granted. And because Thiago's been out of the equation for so long, I was like watching his off the ball movement as well. And I was just like, wow, you know? Yeah, and that's the thing. I think people, when when we signed Thiago, I think everyone thought he's going to transform our midfield in the way, in the things that he does with the ball. And he, right, he, he absolutely does. 
But in terms of how he's replaced Vinealdum, because I think that's what he obviously was, he can do all the stuff Vinealdum did off the ball in terms of covering Fab, and we saw that to great delight in this game. He's just excellent at basically everything. He's just made out of Pringles. <laughs> that is literally the only thing. <laughs> yes. He's he's a un he's literally a unicorn of a player where he is one in a million. Like he's basically not a real person. And just the one weakness is that well, I'm gonna blame Pep Guardiola because I can't he basically ruined him by when he overplayed him when he was injured. Um and now ruined him for us. Uh yeah, he is just he's just the perfect midfielder, except the injury record. And you see in this game, like I made I don't know why, I must have just been down in the dumps or off my head or something. On one of the main pods I I argued, I maybe I brought up the point obviously I think this was before the Nabi saga really took form I thought of an argument where you could probably get rid of Tiago and maybe keep Nabi because we rely so much on Tiago that him not being available for even like 70% of the games is such an issue whereas Nabi he's basically back up for two positions whereas Tiago it's like if he doesn't play the team doesn't work and that's what we've seen this season um and that's the issue. We need to find, if we are to build the midfield around him, which if we're keeping him, we deservedly so. And the way he spoke in the, I'm not sure where it was, but I saw a quote on one of them Twitters that um, uh, tweets little press conferences and interviews and stuff like that, saying how he loves the team, loves the city, etc. So I'm guessing he's staying, hopefully beyond this contract. Um, you, we've got to find someone who can back him up and is happy to do that because. Yeah. Again, if Nabby wasn't made out of Chris Pringles himself, he could do that perfectly because he, he has parts of his game. But, yeah, we see it. When it's Milner, it just doesn't work. Um, so, yeah, it, he is he's literally one in a million. And it, it's mad because before he joined Liverpool, everyone was in love with Thiago. He's joined Liverpool, and it always happens because it always does uh Rival fans and neutral fans just go, well, he's overrated. All he does is pass. It's, he literally controls the game on his own. It is it is mental, the impact he has on him. But as any game we go in with him fit, I'm confident. If he's not in the team and it's not a certain backup, I'm literally terrified. <clears throat> it literally ruins football for me when he's not playing. That's how good he is. He's that good. I'm happy to give him my hamstring. I, I don't need them. He can have yeah, them. Yeah, he can have them. He can have them. You, yeah, he is that good. And um, yeah, and it's really important to have that kind of control in that midfield against that Ajax team as well with the players that they've got in their midfield, right? You know, Alvarez and Berghaus and, you know, Taylor. You know, you needed control because otherwise it could have been like basically just chaos like it was against Napoli. So mm-hmm. absolutely crucial. I mean, I've kind of spoke about two kind of players there. Um, before I come to you and ask you which other players impressed you, first of all, can we all just take a moment to appreciate how nice it was to go ahead against a team that was actually pretty decent? Um, I can't think of the last time that happened that, um, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, um, this season. I don't think it has happened. I think it's, um, it's only, it's only Bournemouth, I think. It's we... only Bournemouth. Yeah. So, you know, like, you know, like, let's, you know, give some credit there, but, um, over to you, Guy. I mean, who who impressed you? Um, I think I've got two. I think I had one that had to take his opportunity, and that's Simicas. Of course. He just 
because we we know Robbo will probably come straight back into the team. But if Simicast keeps these runs going, there'll be more clamber from fans to see basically get an even rotation with with Robbo, which isn't at the minute. But he was just pretty much perfect in everything he did. He was really good defensively. Yep. Obviously, obviously their goal was more of a right side issue, uh, which we'll probably come on to. Yep. But he was good going forward. He combined well with with Thiago and Diaz. I think the fullbacks were slightly less attacking in this game, which might be an interesting tactical tweak because, well, we know the issues we've had in them areas so far this season. But he, I thought he was just really competent and when he was basically a 7 out of the 10. And that's what Robbo built his Liverpool career on. Obviously, as the odd magnificent game, but the difference between Robbo and every other left-back we've had basically in my lifetime is consistency. Just being a 7 out of 10 every week getting the odd 8 and 9 out of 10. And that's what Simicast is kind of doing at the min. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure how long Robbo's out for. But if Simicast keeps getting opportunities like this, there'll be clamber from the fan, fans to make him first choice. Maybe not from Klopp just yet, but it's almost at the stage that Robbo's... Not lack of... But inconsistent form... Yeah. ...is, is going to get highlighted the better Simicast plays. So I think that's an interesting one. Uh, the other one I'd flag up is Joel Matter. Mm. He he was just like a gazelle coming out of defence with that with that ball. <laughs> I'm going hey. up adventure. <laughs> He's just literally full on Bilbo going going off on on there. He's just the thing is I like Gomez. We all remember the 1819 yeah. season where he was fantastic in the first half of the season. I think Ibu has levels to come, so that's a scary thing about this. But when Matip's in the team, there's just a different. Different source of outplay, is that even a word? But just the way we play, because when he's not there, Gomez can pass, Van Dyke can pass, but Matip can pass and he can go on these adventures where he won twos with everyone. Um, I can't believe his pod it was, but so somebody, just, somebody yeah. said that Virgil van Dyke eggs him on to do it. I can't, it was oh, yeah, and I just found that absolutely hilarious. But those two players that you kind of highlighted there, I have to agree with you. And I think with Chimikas, um I think a lot of things that people maybe criticised him for in the past was probably his defensive work. Um, they all knew that, you know, he, he, he had a good cross on him. He was quite effective on set pieces. And mm-hmm. defensively, I don't think he put a foot wrong, um, you know, against Ajax on Tuesday. Another thing I kind of noticed as well, you kind of spoke about the fullbacks not being as creative. But something that I kind of noticed was in the first half, I felt like... Trent and you know the right hand side was maybe more involved in the attacking side of things. Yeah. And in the second half, I felt like it was Chimikas and from the left hand side where maybe a lot of the attack was coming from. I don't know, like I maybe have to go back and watch the game. But that was my initial thoughts on it. But mm. I think it has come to a stage now where you know, like you said, the guy's taken his opportunity and he stepped up and you know, um, it's probably the kick up Robbo's ass that he needs because I don't think Robbo has been effective in an offensive sense for Liverpool? No, that's the thing. I think you can almost forgive the lack of attack and intent because we, we've had Trent on that side. He finished the season so strong, whereas Robbo probably didn't. Um, it was almost the def- this season in particular where the defensive lapses came from Robbo. It wasn't as embarrassingly bad as Trent being horrendously lazy against Napoli, for example, but... Mm. Just little mistake, like not holding the line. That's kind of crept into his game since we forgot how... Well, since we ran out of centre-back for that season. He, that seemed to... I think it's Dave's theory that he had to become the defensive leader and then 
he had to hold the line, etc. And he's kind of not gotten out of that phase mm. of I will you all follow me, and he seems to be deeper than everyone else. But yeah, it's that's the thing. I think Robo definitely has a high list, higher ceiling at the minute, but we've not really seen that ceiling in a little while. Whereas Simicas, well, and and more most importantly, Simicas can take a corner because Robo really can't, <laughs> uh, which helps. But uh, yeah, I think I think you're probably right on the on the fullbacks almost swapping because at half time, Trent was definitely more uh, involved defensively. Um, because there was a good few tackles on Steven Bergvine, who we all know from his Spurs days. But mm-hmm. Trent first half, I think we all saw it in the in the attacking phase. He had a few long range shots, some nice passes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But he was probably he was obviously got out of position for their goal uh, and part of that again. Um, but in the second half, he basically had that position on lock, but he wasn't as involved going forward. So maybe we just still got to find the balance of that, and maybe we're thinking. Because we played a two in midfield that half, didn't we? Yeah. So if we if we go in in the future playing a more of a two because we have more attackers now, um, yeah, maybe, maybe the fullbacks have got to dovetail a bit more than than uh, previous seasons, which I'm all for to be honest. Because I think mm. maybe teams have figured out, well, we know where the space is; it's where the fullback should be. So I, I'm all for that now. Absolutely, and you kind of touched on something there. So we start off as a four-three-three, and we'll get to their equaliser in a minute. But you know, we start off as a four-three-three, then we go to a four-two-three-one. You know, the two-man midfield, and again, that gives Klopp tactical flexibility with the certain players that he has, so you can change it up. Another thing that really impressed me. I mean, there's been a lot of players for Liverpool, um, you know, throughout the season where the big the big names haven't really been performing. And one that actually has been, for me, decent um, has been Alisson. And something that really impressed me in this game was, again, and this, again, adds another dimension to how we attack. Something that I think we've all been critical of Liverpool of is the fact that we can be quite slow and quite um, sluggish. Um, I love the fact that he was um, trying to make us quick in transition, trying to do that whole find the player, find the attacker, play that ball precise to his feet. Um, you know, he... At one point he found Diaz, second time he found Jota. But I like that as well. I like the fact that we were going back to that way because, you know, let's never ever forget that assist by uh, Alisson to Mo Salah against Man United. Mm. But I like that as well. I like the fact that we threw that into the mix as well. Yeah, and absolutely. We we, we seemingly found out their, their right back, our left-hand side, was probably their, was their version of Trent where he buggers off. Um <laughs> And it just worked a tee because Diaz is good in the air, Jot is good in the air, and and more found the space. And and to be fair, there was even a couple more where Jot almost screwed up a couple easy passes, which could have sent more through. So it's something we clearly exploited. Um, but yeah, the, we Allison, everyone bangs on about Edison and stuff like that, and maybe he's more eye catching in what he does. But Allison, in terms of, he's just. He's just better. He's just better at everything, apart from maybe the fancy kicks. That's about it. Mm. But he, he's he is just a perfect keeper. He's he's best in the world at pretty much everything. And I wouldn't trade him for a word. Yeah, and he's pretty much the one that started off our um you know the attack for our first goal, right? <laughs> you know the ball yeah. to Diaz. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But pre pre assist for a goalkeeper, it's uh <laughs> it's it's the good old days. And and to be fair, I think. I think Mulby talked about it with Trev. It's just they never used to do that. As he was talking about um, Bruce Grobbler, I think mm. there was a story how they 
Bruce before they went out on the field had to kick the ball at the light switch to turn the lights on or off. And Jan said, I'd do that in three goes, mate. And he said to us, sat there for half an hour waiting for it. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I think Ali would have been one who'd do it in two or three goals, goals as well. And that's mm. that's just the difference um, in goalkeeping nowadays. But yeah, just that's the thing. We all, we look at it as fans and like, ooh, a goalkeeper. Whereas it must be a nightmare for other teams thinking, well, their goalkeeper is a quarterback. So what the, what the hell? We're going to have to be set from every time we lose the ball to a keeper. It, it's just it's just a it it's a class weapon to have, but it's an interesting weapon to have because you can start an attack from anywhere on the pitch with him. It's just mm. great. It's great to have. It really is. And can I just drop a little side note before we get to their equaliser? So you know, stereotypically, when you think of Ajax, you ever think of young talent, don't you? Am I right? You absolutely do. You do. Yeah. I know where you're going with this. <laughs> looking at their goalkeeper. And I was like, why did you remind me of Eddie Savage? How old is he? If he's 23, <laughs> I'm just going to like throw myself out the window right now. And then I find out that he's like, he's quite mature. He's 38. But, you know, like literally everything was just being hit at him. And, you know, like the commentators were making it out as though, you know, he was absolutely um, exceptional. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to say he's a bad keeper. That's not for me to say. But mm-hmm. um, I just found it very, very interesting that they had, um, you know, a mature guy between the sticks. Well, that's the thing. When when I did the preview with Carl, it was like, oh, Paspia. I've never heard that name in my life. Oh, he's 40. He's 30, I think he's 38 years old. I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> uh, and the backup Stecklenberg, who's 112 year old as well. I was like, ah, you must not have any young Dutch lads coming through then. <laughs> uh, Bringing up the average age of Ajax to about 27. Yeah, there, just so they don't qualify for under 18s football yeah. or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just thought I had to go there. Okay, I'm glad we've addressed that. Right, let's go to their equaliser because I thought we looked very much in control and, you know, we looked quite composed. I felt like, you know, we were doing everything right, um, uh, just quite wasn't quite working in terms of shots being hit at the keeper. I think we had 24 shots, right, um, all together in the game. But, you know, either the keeper saving them or we just didn't look as sharp um, in front of goal. But they get a goal and... Um, yeah, let's talk about that because again, right hand side, and you know we do go there, and people will say these things. I mean, it was an absolutely stunning, stunning goal by Kudos. by by Kudos. Yeah, Kudus. Oh my God, and I've turned into flipping Steve McManaman. Um, <laughs> Bahamid Kudus, um, a absolutely lovely goal, but a simple pass. And that's what kind of, and again, positional awareness. And I know a lot of people have slagged off Trent and, uh, you know, and I guess, you know, he could have been a bit more switched on to that. But for me, that just kind of screamed the fact that he needs like some kind of backup or they need some kind of backup on the right-hand side. And you touched on it earlier, as as great as he has been this season for us, we actually don't need a wing. We shouldn't really be playing a winger there. Yeah, that's the thing, I think. I think Elliot can play. I think we've just got to tinker the role a bit. Because I think we've seen that in, in the second half. We we start even before we made the subs. I think Elliot changed a bit to a number 10. And we, we saw how it worked quite a bit better. Um, but yeah, in terms of the goal, I'm, I'm watching it right back now. Because I wasn't expecting to do this podcast or I would have watched it earlier. But it's just... 
Trent caught kind of between looking at the ball and tracking a man, but nobody's really pressing the bloke who's passing the ball. So it's a bit, I'd, I'd imagine that's Elliot's man. I'm not going to sit down and break down a replay whilst I'm on pod. Um, but it's just a breakdown in the pressing, I think, rather than that. Because I think Trent has his mind, do I go press him? Or is that someone else's job whilst, whilst the bloke he should be? Mm. behind him already and Matip's can't then there's the knock-on effect and Matip's out of position yeah. then yes, Van Dijk's got three mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. um it's a worldy finish regardless so it's it's oh god it's kudos for kudos Jesus Christ oh god get in the big get uh, yeah I do. we've both gone Steve McManus yeah. um <laughs> it's all right Fletch um God, but yeah, it's it is it was just it's a it's a small breakdown, but it's an excellent finish. And as we said, it improved in the second half. So I think it's clearly something Klopp seen in the game is that that was the one area they probably got in and and changed it. And I think to be fair, even in I thought Fabinho was excellent in the game, but in the second half, he just had I think he could just dominate the game and on himself. We mentioned Thiago, but Fab was dominant in this game as well. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's still a... Until Trent's role changes, I think it's always going to be part of our game that the right-back situation is just a point of weakness. Because yeah. he, has, he has to play as a playmaker. He basically has to play as a right centre-mid, a right winger, and a right-back at the same time. Mm. And we've obviously thought, well, we'll risk it with le- less protection than we used to. And I think we're still trying to find... Even last year when we nearly won every bloody trophy possible, it, there was still that that there because Henderson wasn't playing the same way Henderson used to. Um, so, so, yeah, I think it's just going to be... It's I think it's almost a gamble we've taken that Trent's yeah. amazingness will outweigh any defensive lapses. Cause, and to be fair, this is an out-of-form Trent. When he's on form, the defensive issues aren't as big. They're still there. It's still our point of weakness but he's still a good defender. But when he's just out of form, and I think the Napoli game was the was the boiling point for most, because it was laziness rather than lack of ability. But yeah. we saw in the second half, he can defend. He can pocket defenders. So I don't think of it I don't think of it an issue. I think it's almost a lack of form, but we saw in the second half. I don't think there's anything overly to worry about when he gets back on form. I have to agree with you. And then obviously we go into the second half and it, it starts off with a bang instantly, doesn't it? I mean, um, you know, uh, I think it's Ajax that go on a counter around about 46 minutes and, you know, Salah runs back, tracks him back and, uh, you know, he kind of falls down on himself and then we kind of, we kind of counter attack right back and uh, Jota with a shot at the keeper. But, um, you know, like we started off like so, so well. And then like for me, the game started like kind of finding rhythm and started fizzing out around about 57 minutes. And um, it, it took, you know, Jurgen Klopp to kind of make those subs. And uh, of course, Jota, Elliot off and Nunes and Bobby on. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so we go to the 4-2-3-1. And um, I want to get your th- thoughts on, um, you know, um, just um I want to go there because I feel like you have to uh, of course uh, Nunes comes on and um around about 80 minutes um you know he misses a bread and butter chance for him you know um you know he should have done better yeah we can all agree on that you know mm-hmm. but what I didn't like and then after that it's also worth noting 
that he um, pretty much from the left-hand side gets the ball and um, plays the ball across to um, Diaz for a tap-in and um, he kind of fails to kind of connect with it. So, you know, instantly yeah. he's, he's you know, like he didn't shrink there. But I, I don't like this whole idea of he's not doing, you know, he's flopping or he's failing and he's a waste of money and... Um, I don't like that. I just feel like, you know what? He's literally just been thrown into something here and our key players have not been performing. So where's he supposed to like get his inspiration from? And I love the fact that when he missed that chance that Mo Salah went up to him and just kind of touched his arm like, better look next, you know, like you'll do better next time rather than screaming. Don't worry, mate. I do it all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But I, I want to get your thoughts in terms of how how it tactically changed up um, when we went to a four two three one. It was nice to see, you know, the fact that Klopp had that luxury of those kind of attackers on the bench. Um, uh, but yeah, seeing um, seeing Nunes on. Yeah, I'll I'll speak about Nunes himself in a sec. But in terms of the formation change, I think I think it's something fans have been wanting for a while, and I think. When Klopp first joined, we played four-two-three-one in the Europa League season, didn't we? And we couldn't control anything unless Emre Chan had the best game of his career, which yeah. was which probably was the peak of his career, <laughs> was them the first couple of years mm-hmm. under Klopp. Um, but yeah, I think if we, as I said when we did the Thiago bit, as long as we've got them two in midfield, we can play two in midfield probably. One in midfield, no, no, that's probably too far. But we can play two in midfield with them two. I'd probably say Naby could do it, but not that level. Henderson, maybe, but he's never really played that formation in his career. Um, But yeah, it just, I think it gave us more control, but I think it did, because as you mentioned before them changes, the game did start off as a bit of a uh, uh, back and forth Basketball match, that's a phrase I'm looking for. Um, But it did give us more control, but maybe it took a smidge away from our cutting edge. But as you said, we did have them chances. Uh, We had had a couple headers that literally all went straight at the goalkeeper for whatever reason. Um, That Nunes shot slash cross, that was, to be fair, that was a good save by the keeper that just put it out of Diaz's reach. Diaz, uh, I... I wish they had different, slightly different names, so they don't sound so safe. Darwin, that chance he should have scored. Um, but in terms of Darwin's time at Liverpool, it's a tough one because we all saw him in that Benfica semi-leg where he literally battered us and roasted us. And I think everyone just wanted that. And nobody can play like that all the time. Like, even Haaland, he's scoring all these goals, but he's kind of anonymous, which you'd all take, but he's anonymous and everything else, whereas our forwards can't do that. They they, they literally can't do that. So you see it with Darwin. I think he's trying too hard. I think that's probably the issue, because you saw it mm. before he G'd up the crowd after that miss. Um, he was, like, doing stupid little fouls where he, he had someone cornered, then pushed him in the back and said, ah, mate, that's just stupid, that... I know the refs, the ref shouldn't be blowing for it because it is a human being falling on the floor for no reason, but they just do. Um, but I think it will come for him because I think the only thing that's going against Darwin is every other forward we've signed that's been a starter has started so well under Klopp. Mane, that Arsenal game was destructively amazing. 
uh, more, I think his first game was Watford, where he played well and, and got a goal and so forth. But obviously Darwin had the community shield, but beyond that, well, the Fulham game as well, then he had to someone like an offense. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so bad. Um, yeah, so I think that's the main thing going against Darwin, is everyone else we've signed in that area had such an excellent start to their Liverpool careers, whereas yeah. he's had an iffy one, but mainly because he had boys from one, but yeah, it's it's not good, but he's still building, and I think everyone can see what, what he's bringing to the table, but at the minute, I think we do have to I think we do have to expect a bit of Project Klopp where he gets the six months. Similarly, Robbo, similarly to Fabinho, not everyone's a, um, a Tiara who walks straight in the team or, or whoever. Um, so I think he'll probably be the first signing in a little while who will take take boot camp Klopp for a little bit because, as I said uh, on the starting 11, but I, I, as long as Jota's up to speed, I'd I just roll with that three that started at the min. But he's a... De- he's a what did I, he's a chaos maker from the bench, which is really, it's not something we've had other than Origi in, in certain games, where, where he's a peak Origi. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I think he's replaced Origi for time being, but there is there is clearly levels to that at the bench. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's genuinely got the quality. Yes. So I just think, like you said, I do, I think, I didn't even think about that, that he might just potentially just be trying too hard. And some players probably just instinctively just good. I think Sadio Mane, when he had time to think, he was dreadful. That's just me, my, my thoughts on, on a player like Sadio Mane. Mm. I think he's, some players just naturally instinctive. And maybe he just needs to tap into that rather than overthinking things and thinking about the price tag and thinking, oh my God, everyone's watching me. Oh my God, I play for Liverpool. This is my big break. Like just, allow it and just play your game um and also i think again you know stylistically he will adapt to us so you know those kind of things happen around by 80 and 84 minutes and i felt like something within me that a goal is coming because we had so many set pieces and like you said everything is being hit at the keeper and um you know we kind of speak about you know you know another corner and it comes from you know the, the deflected um shot from um well a Salah shot that deflects off at Bassi's yes, eyes, yeah, and they are huge, by the way. Um, uh, they put Yap, you know, Yapstam has not got the big thighs <laughs> compared to Bassi. Just putting that out there. But of course, corner Shimikas, and um, uh, you're like thinking, oh gosh, our centre backs, they, you know, they're just pretty much not doing much here. And then here comes Joel Matip. <laughs> you know, heads it, it goes over the line of the the defender tries clearing it, but it was clear that it went over the line. And just the celebrations that proceeded afterwards. I mean, forget, I went crazy, but him, my word. <laughs> oh, he's just hes just a walking meme of a human, isn't he? He's fantastic. <laughs> no context, Joel Matip is just... It, it, if that... If that isn't Joel Matip running that account, I'll, I'll be so disappointed. <laughs> um yeah, it's just fantastic. And that's the thing. Remember when Ibu scored like four games in a row and everyone was like, Jesus yes. Christ, what is this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, that went away. Now our centre-backs can't do that anymore. But thank God he connected with one. Uh, I When he got cleared off the line, I was like, it's just one of them days. But fortunately, it was quite quick. I think even the assistant ref uh, flagged it, which was a first for them referees in that game getting something right. Um what? 
at one point, I thought he forgot his cards, you know. And oh, he was penalising Fab for the most stupidest things, like, and Thiago as well. Like, it was just, yeah, it was nonsense. He was nonsense. Portuguese referee, right? Yeah, I think so. I'm not sure what his name was, but. Diaz, I, I think it's called Diaz. I don't know his name, but yeah. He's probably from Wolves. That's probably the problem. Um, yeah. It's just, oh god, it's so much relief because the thing, thing is, we'd all be coming on these podcasts, us doing this raw, I'd be like, we played well, but we didn't get the result. Now we've got to play Rangers twice, and they're obviously dreadful, which we'll talk about in a sec. But there'll be so much pressure on them games. Whereas now we can go into um, the Rangers games, going, well, we're on, we're on three points. We can take. We can count on ourselves now. Whereas if we had one point going this way, like we literally have to beat Rangers home and away. Mm. We still probably do if we want to top the group because we'll we'll have to beat Napoli, obviously. But it just takes so much pressure off because you don't want to have to just go in. We have to win four games on the bounce. I actually actually think we're very fortunate that we've got Rangers back to back now because I think we can all agree that they are probably the weaker opponent. I like the fact that Napoli and Rangers are going, um, Napoli and Ajax are going to have to battle it out. And I think that kind of decides like first and second for us. But you're absolutely spot on. And and I have checked the referee's name. He's called Artur Diaz. (laughs) Oh, God. Just mixing all our players together in one there. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't want to see him again because I know. So, well, the thing we get bad refs every week because the Premier League ones are dreadful. But I'm normally not bad. The odd one where it's like a complete disaster. The Champions League ones normally aren't that offensive, whereas mm-hmm. he was. Like, I think didn't Kudos have three handballs or four handballs? I think yeah. it's like what is going on? Ugh, just a weird ref. Never That's- again. Never again. We don't want to see that again. Right. So that was us. 2-1. Any final thoughts on that one before we move on to the next one? I'm just allowed to have fun with football again, but then it's the international break, so I'm not allowed fun again. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. It's it's a pain in the ass. Right, let's quickly talk about the, the other game in our group. Rangers, no, Napoli 3. Zielinski, obviously, two penalties um, saved. Mm. Um Speaking of oldie but goldies between the sticks, uh, McGregor, <laughs> forty years old. Um, yeah, um, it was it was looking like it was going good for him, but of course, then it all kind of went a bit tits up because uh, you know, um, and Napoli just applied the pressure, and um, yeah, um, I think that that pretty much went how we kind of expected it to. Yeah, that's the thing. I think. I didn't watch the game. I had the um, the goal shown, so I was watching all the goals at, at the same time. Um, that the penalty incident was just mental. But yeah, I think Rangers with their Europa League run last year, they obviously had the power of Ibrox. Getting beat three 0 getting a man sent off by Napoli, Napoli missing their main striker. We should add. Mm. It's uh, yeah, maybe the power of Ibrox is set for Thursday nights rather than than midweeks. But yeah, it it probably gives us confidence because I think it may mean more because it's more domestic and there'll be a bit more heated rivalry in there, especially with the the Queen stuff, which I imagine will get flagged up every two minutes before the game. Um, But yeah, it's just good. I think it's good for everyone going, well, it's just a stadium. There's still a crap crap SPL team. Not to be disrespectful, but the SPL is crap. 
<laughs> we mm-hmm. have to we have to treat it as so. I, I think that's how we have to go into that game. Yeah, um, and of course, you know, like Celtic have... Uh, I, I do feel kind of bad for them because I feel like both the Scottish teams have got quite tough groups, if I'm being honest. Well, which yeah. is very easy, let's be honest. But yeah, I mean, yeah, pretty sta- straightforward standard stuff um, from from Napoli. Um, uh, I think them and Ajax now are probably in a battle. Right, let's kind of move along swiftly. Right, uh, Sporting versus Spurs, 2-0. Um <laughs> Sorry, I found this hilarious. Um, purely because um, <clears throat> I think you know, um, you know, Richarlison, you know, was probably their most effective forward, but he was constantly being caught offside. Um, I think there was a lot of eyes on. Was it? Is it Marcus Edwards? Um, you know, um, yes, the young ball English lad, just, yeah. yeah. Just for that little dribble that he did and went past, you know, the the entire Spurs midfield and defense and and takes a shot, but. It, you know, I think Sporting left it very late. You know, corner, Paulinho scores, you know, 90, on the 90th minute with a header. And then even in injury time, you know, Spurs switched off and Gomez gets a goal. But Spurs, looking a bit Spursy there. Conte just doesn't like European football, does he? <laughs> um, I didn't know this game was on. Otherwise, I would have watched it because I was literally just chilling, waiting for our game and then said, oh, Spurs have lost later on. I'm like, you could have told me this game was on and I would have watched it. Um, yeah, it, it, I think it was on like BT Sport 4 or something, so you have to yeah. go up to about 500 um, oh, for the editing, channel. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, no, but it, it's not good for for Spurs. Um, let's look at their table. Uh, to be fair, Frankfurt and Matt, they've already beaten Marseille, obviously. It's just, I think it's I, I don't think it'll matter. Maybe, maybe it may cost them top spot or something like that, mm. but they should really get through that group with with, ro- with rotation. So maybe this is just a blip in, in a um, in, in an away game rather than a home game. I do think that's quite a fun group. And, you know, Marseille, I mean, like they're doing really well in their domestic league, right? Yeah. They are pushing Paris Saint-Germain like they're equal on points. And it's just not quite happening for um, Igor Tudor and Marseille in... In Europe, but Frankfurt getting a win there away from home, you know, good to see, you know, um, uh, Europa League uh, um, winners. So, um, yeah, I think that group could be potentially very exciting. If Spursy go all Spursy, it's fun, trust me. That well, that's the fun. thing. That's the thing. They should win that group comfortably, but it's Spurs, <laughs> so they'll probably won't. Mm. Um, but you'd think the other three games. I think everyone did deemed it almost the Europa League group when it came out, but yeah, it should be it should be an a quite a fun fun tie. But as you say, if Spurs and Conte's record, they should all be quite interesting games, especially if BT tell me when they're on. Oh, look at that! That's it. You know what? You're gonna have to um, keep in contact with Dave Hendrick. He'll tell you. Well, that's the thing. He, well, he didn't. I record every bloody word he says. You didn't tell me. He probably did. I wasn't slipping, listening. slipping, slipping. Right, let's um, Bayern versus Barca. I think that was like your group of death, right? And um, yeah, you know what? I actually obviously finished two nil. Um, uh, Hernandez with a goal. Um, and uh, of course Leroy Sane um, finished things off. But I thought Barca. I, it's a funny one, right? Because I felt like they were just trying to be too like fancy like I don't know like they did have chances 
they, yeah. they had chances and I just feel like you know maybe they were like trying to overthink it maybe trying to be too Barcelona like I think what who um I think Petri had a few chances yeah I didn't I'm really seeing I've seen Sane's goal I haven't seen the highlights from this but I think Dave was saying Barca were probably the best better team for most of the game yeah Lewandowski had a couple of chances missed as well you know like things that you'd expect him to finish yeah yeah maybe it was just nerves against his old team or something like that yeah um but it's just an it's an odd one it's an odd one with because we have no idea how good they are um but is a 2-0 loss to Bayern failing their first test because didn't they get big 6-0 over two games last year or something like that I agree I agree so it'd be interesting to see what they do once the million players settle in this is very, very true. And um, the other team in that, um, uh, you know, I call it the group of death, um, uh, Victoria Pilsen nil into two. I think that was a result that we kind of expected. So let's just move on from that one, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> let's move on. This one shocks me. Um, Atletico Madrid, Leverkusen. So Leverkusen versus Atletico Madrid, 2 nil. Yes, and... I think Leverkusen are struggling in in the Bundesliga as well. Yeah, yeah they they sat quite, you know, towards yeah, the bottom. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's I, go on. So I was just going to say again, I don't want to parrot Dave too much, but he obviously loves Simeone um, and anyone mm. who was on the Discord before we recorded. There was at least five minutes of, of Dave and Harinda and Trev arguing about Simeone for whatever reason, um, but yeah. For I think he's been there eleven or twelve years now, and maybe it's just the end of his time there. I'm not saying he'll get sacked because that'd be disrespectful to probably their best ever manager. Um, but maybe they just need a clean break for both their sakes and just have a, a fresh start because that used to be maybe not because they had that year where they won the league and then got to a final, didn't they? But yeah. they've all they've always just been a pain in the ass for anyone in Europe. Yes. But if you're getting beat 2-0 by a lower league, uh, a lower down Bundesliga team, uh, it's just not it's not Atletico Madrid anymore. And apparently they're playing Axel Witzel at centre-back, which just blows my mind. <laughs> why? <laughs> yeah, but yeah. You look, um, yeah, not a very Diego Simeone kind of move, right? No. Maybe he's just given up and went, you're, you're tall and you've got big air, get back there, you prick. <laughs> You're not going to argue with that man. Yeah. Uh, regardless of what you think of him, I think this again. Um, I think it was Justin on the preview show that said this group could be potentially fun. It's like a hipster kind of group, but Porto nil, Bruges four, and Bruges just sat on top of the group. Simon Minula's dream team. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, it's just an odd one. Mm. I think I think Justin is right. It's a hipster's dream, but Bruges. <sighs> I have not, other than Simon Mignolet jokes, I've got nothing. Yeah, <laughs> so, there isn't, there isn't anything. I, I mean, I will say, like, obviously I did catch up with the highlights, but Porto's defending was quite shocking. Like, I can't lie, but Bruges are just yeah. taking everything as they are and, you know, fair play to them, right? Well, that's the thing. They're probably yeah. one one more win away from qualifying, at least mm-hmm. second. So, fair enough for them. Getting a getting a Belgian team at the round of 16, obviously you've got to get lucky with, with the draw or whatever, but... A Belgian team getting through, that'd be 
had probably be massive. Obviously, we're obviously both in the UK, so we can't really speak. But that must be first time in a long while that's happened. Yeah, I can't think as well. So yeah, and and it'd be huge. Let's let's move on, and uh, we'll talk about the English games. Um, uh, the English teams. City Dortmund, right? You know what? This one really intrigued me because I thought it was. It obviously it finished two one to City. I'm just gonna say this, but all the Man City can probably spend a hundred million on a shit player like Jack Grealish, and they could quietly phase him out, and nobody will ever know about it. He's utterly dreadful. Um, I just don't see why they paid that much money for him. They started with him and um, Mares with Holland um. And I don't think it worked. I thought defensively, I thought um, Dortmund handled them really well. I thought Emre Jean had a pretty decent game. Mm. I I just thought Dortmund looked very composed. I thought the two centre-backs did really well as well. And Pep Guardiola seems to have a fetish for Dortmund players. He did it at Bayern Munich and he's doing it here as well. You know, Gundogan, Haaland, Akanji, you know, um, uh, Pep Guardiola likes a Dortmund player. I think, you know, that's one thing that we've observed. But yeah. Jude Bellingham to start things off and uh, then you know Pep Guardiola makes those subs he gets really angry brings on the players that he needs to and uh, yep Storms and that man Holland against his former team yeah it's it's all right when you can take off 160 million pounds worth of winger and put on well Ford and obviously came through the academy but he'd probably cost a hundred, upwards of 100 mil now um, and whatever they bribed the Dortmund goalkeeper with, so let's say ten mil, because that bloke's yes. taking a brown envelope somewhere. <laughs> um, God, like the second one, fair enough, because Haaland, he should not be able to contort that way when he's six foot five and a tank. Yes. But the John Stones one, he literally waves it in, so investigate that one, you Afer. Um But no, I. Again, I was watching the goal show, so I didn't see in terms of how everything played. But Bellingham with the, with the clever header, um, John Stones just thought, I'll have a go. And so did the goalkeeper. Um, but that that can sell or pass. That is filthy. That, that was just absolutely disgusting. Um, and to be fair, Haaland, as I said, contorting that way, you shouldn't be able to do that. But that can sell or pass. It was just, it was just, an, I think, Chan passed the ball out on the left, didn't he? But mm. he was clearly passing to the bloke over, and I'm not sure who the player was, but the other one took it and knocked it back to Man City. And then it was just kind of Cancelo was in too much space. And yeah, that, that bloke went from being just some random person who got bought for loads by Juve and he's just turned into basically the left left back version of Trent. Obviously he's right footed, but yeah, that, that pass is probably only him and Trent could do from that position. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was a bit gutted because I thought, oh my God, Dortmund, you might be able to do something. But yeah, Man City just showing their quality and having a lethal machine in, in Holland. We'll move on to their their other two teams in their group. Um, finish 0-0 between Copenhagen and Seville. Um, I think Dortmund and Man City will go through in that one, if I'm absolutely honest. Right, yeah. um, all eyes on Graham Potter um, in the Champions League. What's he going to do? Comes out in a suit, has a fresh haircut. It finished one all. I, I'm not surprised at this result, if I'm absolutely honest, because I think Salzburg are a bit of a banana skin. 
Um, obviously started off with Raheem Sterling scoring and, you know, um, things looking good for Chelsea and all that good stuff. But for the build-up for their goal, you know. Well, that's the thing. It it was an odd one because when I saw, I watched, the, I, this was the one I started to watch and then got bored and put the goal through on. Um, I was just interested to see who played where. Mm. Um, I had, I still had no idea. Just watching it, it was like, well, Thiago Silva's at centre back, and that's all I've got. Um, but I think as the game went on, Sterling was playing left wing back, which uh, it's odd. But we've seen Graham Potter do; he's had random lads at Brighton play wing back, mm-hmm. so maybe it's just something he's going with. Um, Havertz looked okay in, in the bits I've seen. Reese James, lazy defensively, but he's not called Trent, so we can't bring that up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you mentioned Thiago Silva there. From what I've seen, it's not the same back three as what um, Tuchel was playing, because when Tuchel had a back three, it was a back three all the time, whereas where Thiago Silva got caught out on the ball, maybe they changed formation by then, Um he was out at left back. That bloke's nearly 40. He should not be moving. <laughs> mm. um, but yeah, it's, it's a weak, lazy tackle that deserved to be punished. And then, well, as per Laqueta, they should have taken that Barca money and run, I reckon. Because um, I, I think he's one of the better full-backs in the Premier League era. But yeah, he's kind of, I don't think he's up to the task anymore. But no, from what I've seen, from what I saw of the game in, in bits and bobs, there was some interesting stuff. It, it's the most I've ever seen Jorginho move. Um, Mason Mount back in midfield rather than um, being in the front line. I think that, that should be interesting to keep an eye on. But it's a t- I think it's a tough time, tough um, game for, uh, for Potter to use some of these ideas. But he has two weeks off. It's almost a shame he went to Chelsea because he went from being like one of the most likable mm-hmm. managers at one of the most likable teams. And I was like, at Chelsea, and like, nobody likes Chelsea outside of Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> so I have to hate, you know. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he can get the best out of um, Havertz or Bamiyang. I think Sterling's been quietly quite good, to be fair to him, so maybe not him. But. Yeah, it, the, he's got to get the forward line clicking, which was probably an issue at Brighton, to be fair. But he never had, um, Kai, he never had a seventy mil Kai Havertz and and a Bamiyang, who's probably one of the better strikers of the last ten years or so. So it should be interesting to see. It should be interesting. I want to see how he kind of operates in with, with that kind of high pressure job. And let's be honest, it is a high pressure job. And I agree with the I like Graham Potter as well, and not anymore. It, in the other game in that group, Milan 3, Zagreb 1, we'll move on. I think that one pretty much went how we kind of expected it to. I want to move on to um, Group H. And I want to, first of all, address Juventus. Now, you know, over the weekend, they had a bit of a sucker punch. Um, you know, they were losing they were losing yeah. um, over the weekend. And it was a bit like, oh, shit, what's happening here? For them, it was 2-0. It looked pretty bad. It looked pretty bad against them. Um, I can't even say their name, but I'm going to try. Salernitana. Ooh, That's that is... what I would have went with. Yeah, you know, they were 2-0 down. You're like, shit. And then it's 2-1. It's 2-2. They score what they think is the winner. Milik takes off his shirt, gets sent off. VAR has a look at it, incorrectly rules it off. And so they go into this game and they lose 2-1 at home to Benfica. Like, what a... 
this is not Juventus. Like, they look... And, you know, like people say, oh, the old lady, the old lady, because of their nickname. But they just look so off it. Well, they've gone from old lady to deceased lady, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Having gone over the hill and past her at this point. It's just... From when, when we were improving as a club, I think everyone was like, well, look at Juventus. They don't really sign superstars, but they're dominant, etc. That's kind of what we should do. Mm. Um, Ronaldo fucked them over, let's be honest. Well, pretty much, yeah. But even beyond that, like, their signings this summer alone, yeah. where they, they sold Delict to superstar money, but it wasn't a superstar. They sold Delict. Uh, got Bremer, I have no idea if he's any good, but then Paul Pogba on a free, who probably got, I don't know, probably had 20 mil signing on, Di Maria on a free, probably similar, and they're probably both on at least 300 to 400 grand a week. Mm. Why? Like, Di, Di Maria, fair enough, because he was actually good at PSG. Pogba's been garbage since he was at Juventus. Why? Mm. And now he's injured. <laughs> you signed him injured um, as well. So if you were looking to refresh with, with Pogba, why? You could have got any random Serie A midfielder because you're Juventus. Mm. I don't I don't care how much Inter Milan and AC Milan have, um, have improved. You're still the financial powerhouse in that league. You should be doing what Bayern Munich... You, you were doing what Bayern Munich were doing. You were just buying all the best talent from that country. You, you did it with Chiesa, who I know got that nasty injury and stuff like that, but... They just went away from what worked for them. Yeah. And, yeah, I think this is just the culmination of it. But I think, I know Juve don't really sack managers in seasons, but this season there's a World Cup break. So maybe they get rid of Allegri and get Tuchel will be linked, Pochettino will be linked. But maybe just some young manager with fresher ideas that isn't Pilo, who literally (laughs) hasn't had any experience in football management. So, yeah, maybe get younger and... The whole set, the whole side needs to get younger because still playing like Benucci. And if if Chiellini, if he, I think people were saying if if Italy were in the World Cup, Chiellini would have still been there. So they would have been starting forty-year-olds at centre back still. So it's mm. like you can't do that anymore. Look at look no. at Milan. They've got Tamori at centre back. That uh, Kalulu at centre back. Mm. Get younger. That's how the Milan clubs improved. They got younger and more defined, whereas Inter Milan got less defined and older. They've just done it the opposite way around. Yeah, uh, it is. It's, it's really quite worrying for them. And, you know, I, I see a lot of angst on social media from their supporters. It's not looking great. And, yeah, I have no idea what Allegri's been doing whilst, you know, he's been away from football. Because I used to really I used to really like Allegri as a manager. Mm. You know, his first in at Juve. Yeah. I actually thought he did good. And you watch them now, you're like thinking, shit. And, you know, guys lost his hair and everything. But, you know, yeah, um, <laughs> it's, it's not looking good. Um, let's see what happens there, um, whether they do actually bite the bullet and sack their manager, because I think a lot of people are calling for yeah. it now. I think they're fed he, up with what they're seeing. He seemed to take on what Conte had built there, didn't he? So maybe he's just what, maybe he's one of them Ancelotti lads where he, final piece, a bit, bit of seasoning on the top and he'll mm. improve them. Yeah. Whereas he's maybe not a Conte who built up Juve or what they yeah. were. So maybe it was just the wrong type of job for him. But he took like, didn't he take two or three years off? So yeah, maybe, the coaching did develop in that time because Klopp became, well, Gegenpress and all that jazz um, became the forefront of football. 
and nobody else can do what Pep's doing. So maybe then a couple of years out, just football overtook what he was. Yeah, maybe when he actually took a break from football, he actually took a break from football. Because yeah. I actually assumed that people would work on their craft or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like Eddie Howe figured out how to defend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so things are not looking good for you. But let's talk about um, briefly about the other game. Maccabi Haifa 1, PSG 3. I think what was really intriguing about this one was uh, Maccabi Haifa took the, took the lead with a surprise opener. But all three of them... Um, PSG superstars got in on the scoring. Messi opened it up with a um, Mbappe assist. Messi then returning the favour for Mbappe to get the second and then Neymar closing the deal. Um, it's pretty much what you'd expect. I don't... Do you see yeah, them yeah. as a big threat in Europe? <sighs> I don't think they play as a team. I think this manager's clearly got the better ideas than previous ones because mm-hmm. he's talked about rotating the, well, three petulant children up front, which they already seem to be talking <laughs> about. Um, yes, I've heard about that as well. Yeah, That's I think, I think it was on the Totally Football show they were talking about. It. Um, I think they're building towards it, but I'm not sure if it's the right year because the midfield, by all accounts, is improved with Virginia there and maybe Renato Sanchez can find some form and then them two and Verratti can can work better than signing all the old lads to go with with um with Verratti and not lads from Everton as well which probably help mm-hmm. um but the defense I'm not I'm not sure I, I obviously don't follow the gun because why would you it's one team league um but Hakimi's one of the best in his position yeah excellent but mm-hmm. Then, like, Kimpembe is dreadful. Like, he, he's a weakness. Uh, who's the left-back? Who's the left Oh, the Nuno Mendes is the young left-back, isn't he? I have no idea, but he's meant to be the next big thing in that position. I think they're building towards it, and they seem to um, get smarter in the summer with... I can't, who's that like, I can't remember what their director of football's called, the one who was at Lille and, um, and so on. Um, but, yeah, I think they're building towards it, but I think this might be a season too soon, but... I think Messi's out of contract, so he's probably going to go back to Barca, but yeah. may, maybe they target... Oh, God. I don't know, but they'll probably be cleverer. Maybe like Rafa Leao or something like that, who seems to be the next big forward. Um, but yeah, I think I think maybe next year and onwards, when they've given Galtier a bit more time and the midfield and defence can fix itself. But yeah, it's not, not this year, I don't think. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you on that one. Right, let's move on to, I think, the final set of games, right? Um, uh, Real Madrid's group. So, Real Madrid 2, Leipzig 0. Uh, should we expect anything less from the reigning champions? I just think they just are kind of cutthroat elite, yeah. you know? Um, quite late in the day to get it done, though. Um, you know, Valverde op- opens up the scoring on 80 minutes and then Asensio in, in injury time. Um, but, yeah, I think that one just went how it was meant to. Uh, the other game in the group was Shakhtar versus Celtic. It finished one all. I've not been watching an awful lot of Celtic, but mm. I caught up with the highlights, and they do get chances. Well, I watched the I watched the first half of this game. No, I watched like the first thirty minutes of this game, and Celtic were excellent. They mm. they genuinely should have been two or three nil up. Um, mm. So may, maybe. When Sha- I think Shakhtar scored, scored a world, he didn't. They? Um, mm. Maybe that just kind of killed their their flow or something like that. But that um, post- 
God, why has everyone got a weird name? Ange Postacoglu. Uh, he seems yes. like a really excellent manager. Um, so it'll be interesting to see when he does a Brendan Rodgers and move south, presumably. Um, but yeah, the only thing about the Real Madrid game, um, Rafa Hodgington. God, I can't speak today. Rafa, yes, you podded with him, so you've practiced his name. Um, Rafa on the uh, on the goal shot. He 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 said Leipzig were the better team. To be fair, um, but. Real Madrid. Well, we've seen this story before, being the better team against Real Madrid and losing. So it's it's just what they do. It's what they do. They've just got excellent clutch players. I don't think Benzema was playing in this one, but it just goes through the squad. Yeah, I think Benzema picked up an injury in the previous Champions League. Right. Okay. Yeah, I I I don't think he's going to be out for too too long. Yeah. You know. Um. But yeah, I think that's what it's all about. And uh, you know, Shakhtar they've got that player, Modric. Um, not Modric, Modric. I believe that's how you yeah. say it. And I think that's the one that people are kind of really highlighting, mm-hmm. right? I think he's like the young talent to kind of watch and, uh, yeah, scored an absolute worldy but um I think with Leipzig as well didn't they sack their manager when Tickle got they sacked, sacked him after the yeah, Shakhtar game yeah, yeah yeah you know so I, I guess they might be in like a tr- transitional kind of phase as well I mean let's see where they are in their domestic I season. think they beat Dortmund like 4-0 at the weekend something like that so the change clearly worked but yeah they were bad they were bad before that I know that yeah they won 3-0 yeah new manager bounce um yeah, let's see what happens with them. Um, yeah, they're not doing great. They're like tenth in the league, and mm. it's not, you know. And you know what? This week, um, you know, um, I think there's been some quite good results. But I think is there anything you kind of want to highlight from the Champions League? I feel like we've kind of touched it all. I mean, anything you'd like to add to that? Um, it'll be interesting to see if Chelsea can find the feet. That's probably about it because. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're only three points behind Milan, but they've got to play Milan back to back now. So pressure pressure's on when when Potter's um, back after the international break, because I assume a lot of their players will be going. So it's not like you'll just have training time with them. Um, but yeah, pre- pressure's on Chelsea out of all the uh, English clubs, I think. You know what? Justin said that. You know, when he was doing the prediction for which which who's going to go through, he actually said Chelsea are going to end up in the Europa League. Oof. Bold prediction at the start. You know that. You know that. Um, uh, that dodgeball gif or meme. Oh, that's a bold prediction. Yeah. Any other? I was thinking, but and then obviously after the first loss, and he's like, I think I might be. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, okay. But yes, I, I, I'd agree with you. I'm really intrigued to see what Potter can actually do with this Chelsea side and how he actually. I'm quite intrigued to see what he does in Europe. But yeah, um, guys, uh, thank you so much for listening to Euro Incision Podcast. I actually really enjoyed podcasting there with Guy. He's awesome. He's insightful. He's funny. And it's nice to have somebody on the podcast who butchers names just as magnificently as I do. I'm here for that. Guy, before I let you go, where can people find you on social media? And is there anything you'd like to plug? Uh, yeah, Twitter's at Guy Drinkle. Uh... I think we're doing a main pod on Sunday, which I'll presumably on, be on. I can't speak, never mind names. Um, I may be more awake then, <laughs> but uh, I will have some dreadful film review on that podcast for people. And by dreadful, I mean glorious. Uh, <laughs> but yes, <laughs> I'll be on that on Sunday. And then after that, I think me and Ollie Emerson want to do a pod over the international break just to get content out. Because me and Ollie are 
part of the Albi Moreno fan club, so we're all we've always been <laughs> connected. So it'll be fun to catch up with him. Um, we'll just do a season so far thing and, and make us both sad again. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it'll be good to catch up with Ollie. Um, and then rate don't hate when if we ever actually have football again. I fully expect an hour's worth of content of Albie appreciation, best moments at Liverpool Football Club. Um, anything else, we riot. Um, guys, do give Guy Drinkle a follow. There's going to be some great content coming your way from him. From my side, um, I do little Instagram videos. Do check it out. Um, if you're on Instagram, give you know, if you want to give me a follow, that'd be awesome. It's at Nina Cows the show. And um, I will have a Media Matters out after this podcast with Jonathan Northcroft. I um, really enjoyed our chit-chat um, about all things Liverpool, so stay tuned for that. And I'm going to try keeping myself busy as well during this international break and try doing some more podcasts as well. Not really decided anything yet what to do, but there will be content coming your way, guys. But um, thank you so much for listening and um, take care. And um, what a nice result to kind of, you know, Turn away from the football because no one really gives a damn about international footy. Till next time, take care and up the reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.